Welcome to today's episode of The Growth Zone. I am Christian Bartsch. What is the core benefit of listening to this show? Business leaders in corporate and privately held companies gain insights into trends and strategies that provide them with a competitive advantage in the marketplace. Each episode focuses on an area such as marketing, sales, innovation or funding that is absolutely critical to the growth of companies, whether they are startups or corporate global players, where management needs to juggle the challenges of market entry or knowing how to navigate the uncertainties of disruptive developments. Mindfeeding is where clarity evolves and helps solving organizational challenges. For those who listen to the entire episode, I have a special surprise gift. I am working on some great guests that are industry leaders in management, innovation and marketing. Let's get started on today's episode. So I'm today here with Janet Spivak from New Hampshire. That's New near Boston. And we're going to talk today about how to make Google love you. It's all about increasing reach, organic reach, and as well generating con a conversion rate that's actually going to help the business or the clients. But before we go into all these deep aspects of uh, search engine optimization, Janet, can you please tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, of course. So first off, thanks for allowing me to uh, be here and hopefully give some amount of value. Uh, my background is primarily in marketing. I'm the founder and lead strategist of Comet Fuel, which we are in the process of rebranding from Blue Dog Media from. I started the company after I freelanced I did freelance marketing for a number of years. I worked in corporate marketing, which really wasn't my gig. I ended up going from that to working for a marketing agency for a little under two years. And eventually I went from full-time down to part-time down to no time. And I was sitting with a good number of freelance clients. And I decided you know, the next step for me would be to uh, start an agency. And primarily what we do is Google ads and Google SEO, which is search engine optimization. And that's basically what we've been doing for the past uh, little over two or three years now. Great. So um, let's have a look at what it takes to make Google to love you. How do you see it from your experience and from what you see what's currently happening as well with Google? Yeah, so the the thing with Google is that it's constantly changing literally every single day. And depending on what part of the world you're in, this is actually a little bit different. Uh, Google's algorithms tend to be a little bit more up to date in the US than they tend to be in uh, Europe or Australia and whatnot. So thing, depending on where you are depends on what state of the algorithm you're currently in. But Google admitted back in 2018 or 2019, one of the two, that they made over 3,000 changes to their algorithm in that year. It equated to an average of over three changes per day. So things quite literally change every single day. And this is one of the uh, the challenges with Google is that there is a lot of 
keeping up to date and keeping things, um, you know, having some sort of future insight into how things are going. The other uh, challenge with Google is that it's not perfect. And this is something that uh, that if you're new to the world of SEO is something that uh, not everyone is uh, well-versed in, which is that the reason why Google makes so many updates is because it's not, if the system was perfect, they wouldn't have to update it. And so this means that sometimes websites that should be winning aren't. Websites that shouldn't be winning are. And Google has all these updates to, to, to do that, to keep up with that. And what this creates is a very... Uh, a fairly volatile, but also incredibly lucrative uh, marketing channel because it is the number one marketing channel. If anybody is looking for anything, the first place they go to is Google. And so you have an immense amount of competition as well. And it's the number one place that just about every business has to be because this is where every single consumer is as well. Yeah, that's true. Because when you think of it before, uh, like uh, 15 20 years ago, we had Alta Vista and all these things, and then we uh, had uh, Yahoo and that. And Yahoo still plays a big role in, in Asian regions. But on the contrast, when you go towards uh, Eastern Europe, you'll have Yandex. Yandex is even strong in places like Turkey and that. Uh, but interesting thing enough is that sometimes uh, even, even being on Yahoo at a good position might even help you in Google. Um, but I know... I don't know whether that's still actually really valid when you compare that. What's usually mostly in the Western world, it's either Google and sometimes Bing, but who really uses Bing? <laughs> yeah, so when it comes to over here, Google has a uh, roughly like a 96, 97% market share. Bing mm. has the second biggest uh, as of last, I'm aware Yahoo is the third, and I don't know how it is everywhere else in the world, but here the Bing and Yahoo search algorithm are the same. So wherever you show up on Bing is where you'll show up on Yahoo. And DuckDuckGo has also been gaining uh, some uh, quite a bit of popularity, especially within the past year or two, where there's been a lot of uh, data privacy concerns over here in the U.S. I know in the EU there's been a lot of uh, lawsuits and legislation that has changed, and the the U.S. is a uh, not as uh, strict as within the EU, but there's a lot of um, uh, kind of consumer concern kind of growing on the data privacy range of things. And DuckDuckGo is trying to um, uh, kind of be the uh, kind of the the solution for people that have those privacy concerns. So in some websites, I'm seeing Google be by far the biggest, and then sometimes DuckDuckGo is the second, and then Bing will be the third in some instances. Yeah, it maybe depends as well on the on the audience of the website, what mm. their preferences. Maybe certain people who are maybe like, let's say, journalists that want to be uh, somehow safer, they'll be using the DuckDuckGo. But uh, otherwise, of course, most of the people just for convenience will be using Google. That's the thing. Mm. When you say, hey, it becomes a monopoly and everything. Yeah. It's like before when we had Netscape and then came Microsoft with uh, Internet Explorer and then pushed and pushed until practically everybody didn't use it. And now we're using Google Chrome or Firefox, but most of the time it's again Google Chrome as well. I'm using Google Chrome at the moment for this recording as well. And not only that, but a lot of software also runs on um, what's called Chromium, which is a Google product as well, which is any sort of software that interfaces with the web. Oftentimes, that'll use a distribution of Chrome as well. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, you look as well at the, the majority of users, for instance, uh, mobile phone users, they'll be having Android. And then there's a much smaller group that has iOS. And other than that, there are a few other operating systems that are coming from from Chinese regions or so, gladly trying to replace Android. But it's Google is dominating in many areas. For sure. Mm -hmm. And so uh, what do you see uh, regarding the, the organic reach? How, how can get how people with the businesses and so on, how can they actually get a proper organic reach? When you think of it, um, there are sorts of different things like people say, oh, you need to have backlinks. But of course, Google has different perspectives on backlinks, good links, backlinks, or natural backlinks where they say certain links that are obviously not being earned in a proper way they generated of course google then notice that this isn't quite natural let's say somebody has a repair shop for for car repair shop is placed on a site that makes uh, promotes cookies it obviously doesn't have anything uh, to do with each other and that's not really natural yeah so the The biggest thing is to start first off with the fundamentals. And the reason why that's so important is that if you're trying to go from New York to LA, there's two ways to do that. You could go west and it could take you about eight hours, or you could go east and it might take you 38 hours. So the first really big thing is to figure out where you are and where you want to go. The reason why that's so important is uh, there can be times where somebody, uh, you know, They, here's a really good example of a company that I like quite a bit. There is a sales CRM called Close. It used to be close.io and now they bought the .com, so now they're close.com. And the CRM space for anybody who knows is incredibly competitive. You're competing against Infusionsoft, Salesforce, HubSpot, companies that make tens to hundreds of millions of dollars that have Uh, that gain a ridiculous amount of backlinks for free, essentially, because they just post a, a blog post, they tweet it, and it gets backlinks because everybody already knows who they are. They're companies that uh, if you try to just rank for CRM or sales CRM, your chances are incredibly low until you're at a certain level where you can uh, logically compete against that. So one of the big things that I see is often missed, especially in competitive markets, is understanding where you place if you might not be able to compete with the uh, the biggest players and you might not be able to reasonably show up for the most lucrative terms and that's okay because there's a very limited amount of slots on Google and the it's you don't want to waste a whole lot of time and money trying to get to show up for in this instance you know sales CRM when you have almost a zero percent chance of doing that because you don't have the backing or the SEO equity, quote unquote, to do that. So the first thing would be to identify what realm you're playing in and how you can uh, kind of play to your strengths. So for example, what Close did specifically, which I think is so interesting, which is why I'm using this as an example, is they identified their best way to enter the market was top of funnel, is to focus on what are all these questions that people have around sales, sales tactics, sales techniques? How can we create a video about that, post it on YouTube so we can get traffic that way so people are more familiar with our brand. How can we get? Uh, how can we take that video, transcribe it into a blog post so we can get the organic traffic as well, get people onto our email list? And this will help us bring in some early sales, but also this top of funnel content, which is uh, valuable and is you know quite good content, 
can start to gain uh, natural links through content marketing and sharing around because it's actual useful content that is applicable and, and uh, you know, valuable to people. And over time, what this will translate to is being able to get sales from top of funnel and using your email marketing for your middle and bottom of funnel um, sales. And then over time, the website becomes big and strong enough that it can actually compete head to head with some of these bigger um, players that do put in tens or you know, hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars into their search every single year. So sometimes you have to, uh, you know, you can't compete head to head right away necessarily. You have to find where the where the cracks are and use and use those to your advantage and eventually become a much bigger fish in the pond, uh, to use that analogy. And what some people do, which I see, which is another real example, which I won't tell you the company name because this is somebody that reached out to us, is that they were also a CRM and they're a CRM software. And they were, in their eyes, they were doing everything right for SEO. Hey, you know, we're, we've, in their case, they were working with a company to get backlinks. We're creating this content, but it's not going anywhere. We want to rank for CRM. We want to rank for sales software. We want to rank for all this stuff. The chance of them ranking for that was little to none within the next couple of years. It just wasn't viable. But not only that, the content that they were creating also had no value because the content was just a sales pitch for their own software. It wasn't helpful to anybody. It was, how do we, how do we, uh, follow up with a prospective prospect and it only talks about their software. Well, Google doesn't want to rank that because unless they're already using your software, that piece of content is useless to them. So there's no reason why that should ever rank, why you would ever get content, why you would ever get traffic to that content. So, uh, honestly, it starts with the fundamentals, which is who am I playing against? What are my advantages? What are my disadvantages? What are the cracks that they have in their system that I can kind of wedge myself into because at a certain point those companies are too big to keep track of every little tiny thing that they rank for and they have tons of content that's outdated that google's looking for a better more updated replacement for that you can go in and be that replacement yeah so and then this is catching the long tail opportunities getting the uh not only the keywords that maybe the others are not ranking for but maybe as well even testing out keywords that are longer and give you maybe opportunity, especially when you think, say the Google videos, that would be something as well to use. Um, because otherwise, if nobody finds the Google videos, of course, then the CRM system will have a problem because nobody knows that the videos are there and they can't listen to it. Right, exactly. Content marketing is something that you will hear about uh, a lot within the marketing realm. I would say within the past three to four years, it has become a very... Um, a prominent term and prominent channel for people to recognize. So it's something that everybody has, basically everybody has heard of. Almost everybody is familiar with it, at least vaguely, but almost nobody does it right. But the people who do it right are those who see uh, massive growth on multiple channels all at once. The companies who are able to take a a, a great piece of content, let's say it's a blog post, turn that into a video that that can rank on now Google video. It can also go on YouTube, take snippets of that video, post it out to social to then get people to drive social traffic. But also now these are people that know your brand. Some of these people might have websites. Some of these people will now link to you, but they'll also mention you on social, uh, depending on what uh, school of thought you follow with SEO determines if if you believe that Google will actually look at that. And if they do look at that, does Google value things which are called social signals? There's a lot of um, uh, different schools and thought within SEO as well. So uh, not everyone will agree on it, but you're able to essentially take this one piece of content, turn it into 
a hundred different pieces of content, get traffic from a bunch of different sources, and then that can lead to massive organic growth uh, down the line because of that. And that's something that is still massively understated on the backlink side of things as well. Uh, what a lot of people are doing uh, for basically since Google was invented was there is this, uh, there's a, uh, and you mentioned it earlier, you know, what's a good link? What's a bad link? Uh, well, ultimately Google's algorithm, there's plenty of things that you and I might consider a bad link that, you know, there's no purpose. Like, why is this website linking to this other website? Like, this is a crap website that isn't worth anything. But Google values that because of certain metrics that you're able to, you know, in some sense manipulate. But what happens is if you go, okay, well, let's forget about that and let's focus on the PR side of things. Digital PR is what's being called now nowadays and people are moving away from the term link building. Is that you can then take an instance of, okay, let's write this really topical piece of content for a publisher, let's reach out to a journalist and say, hey, I'm an expert in this field. Uh, this is a hot topic. I want to, uh, you know, have you write this piece on it or whatever it may be. And then that person writes a piece. And because it's a real website that people actually care about, that goes live. You get a link from that strong website. Also, because it's such a good piece of content, that website then gets picked up by bigger sites. And then you have smaller websites also pick it up. And then next thing you know, your uh, article is also being mentioned uh, in the Guardian or some other major news network, and that's how uh, you know, that that's what real SEO is, and it's something that still ninety five percent of people, both SEOs and businesses, haven't caught up with yet. Yeah, because it takes time as well to generate all that content and to have it properly uh, formatted as well, and and uh, some some texts can be as well nice content but it's difficult to understand for the search engines or even the human doesn't understand it or you have uh, too many acronyms and uh, yeah of course in certain areas and in certain industries it's normal to have the acronyms like for instance in aviation certain acronyms if you write them out it's like six words connected with each other and that doesn't make much sense because everybody says blah blah, blah and that's everybody knows what it's meant um but of course, in other areas, you shouldn't use too many abbreviations or special language. Otherwise, Google doesn't understand it necessarily. Mm. And what can also happen is uh, there's you can both gain traffic and you can also lose traffic when it comes to SEO. And this is something that is hard to quantify over the long term. For example, um, I can't say what it, what the company was, but they are a, a client who they were engaging in uh, link practices that I would personally um, advise against, but it was working for them. Over the course of a year and a half, they saw consistent growth. And it's hard to look at that from a business perspective and not want to continue doing that going, hey, these are these are cheap tactics. It's not costing us a whole lot in which we're making hundreds upon hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Our traffic has been doubling every year, if not more for the past, you know, 12, 18 months. So, you know, we've doubled to three and a half X our traffic over that period of time, somewhere around there. And we were like, Hey, you know, that's great. And then all of a sudden an algorithm update happens and you lost, you know, in this case, they ended up losing like 50, 65% of their traffic. And because of that, their revenue as well. And I think it took us about five months and multiple tens of thousands of dollars between us, another team, their internal team, their lawyers got involved because um, we had to contact websites and ask them to do stuff in a legal manner and whatnot. And so that total cost 
ended up being a lot more than if they is if you were to instead of go okay great here's this link that's going to cost me $50 on some random person's website that they'll just post a link to anybody that Google hasn't caught up with yet versus you know yeah maybe it'll cost you two grand to get an actual PR campaign together to talk to a real journalist to actually get a real piece of content going to actually get that syndicated across you know real channels but option one has you you know losing 50% of what you've gained you know 12 to 24 months later option two has you in a position where you know you could ignore your site for six to 12 months and it's still gaining traction because of how much Google likes what you've done before. Yeah, and I see that from other websites that we've been as well doing for the last several years doing digital PR and doing backlink marketing, all these other things. It's crazy. They're still generating leads and generating revenue, even although we haven't been advertising in Google anymore for good five years. And these sites are still generating links, which shows you don't necessarily need to have Google Ads for every kind of uh, service and sometimes it might be even more cost effective because uh, the additional revenue that you maybe can generate with uh, with ads might necessarily not justify the costs mm. so there is a yeah, there are pros and cons to each channel one of the one of the things with google ads which can still be useful regardless of how much traffic you gain is that with search it's it comes down to write that to search somebody has to be searching for something meaning if you sell let's say an ergonomic chair for people to know that you exist that an erg that an ergonomic chair exists they have to be searching for an ergonomic chair already or they have to be searching for something top of the funnel around ergonomic chairs such as you know uh why does it? Why does my back hurt after sitting in a chair for eight hours, or whatever it may be, right? So they either have to know that they have a problem already, or that there's a potential solution. They have to be searching for that. With uh, with ads, what you're able to do is to get people into that phase. We're able to serve them, you know, top of the funnel content, and go, hey, you know, here's a quiz, or here's whatever it may be. Here's this article that I want you to read that will introduce you to the topic, and then okay, great. Now you're on our remarketing list. Now we can get you to come back to the website multiple times. And then if you search for anything on Google, you're going to get that, so on and so forth. So there is a um, there is a mix. I would say that I'm yet to see a business that can 100% turn off any ads and it not be and it be. Uh, you know, just as lucrative as only doing search just because there are differences between them and there's different networks such as like the YouTube network that's that can be great to get your video in front of uh, in your product or service in front of people that don't even know that you exist. Um, and it's also uh, incredibly powerful for newer businesses as well. One of the downs one of the big downsides with SEO to be transparent is that it takes a very long time. And it can be expensive. Most new businesses don't have the capital or the business or marketing acumen for SEO to make sense initially. And one of the things I typically recommend uh, for businesses is when they're on the newer side of things or they're, um, or I feel as though that they wouldn't be a right fit on the SEO side of things is to uh, start on ads, scale the ad spend, use the ROI from the ad spend to invest in SEO, use that for the the run-up period because it tends to have a snowball effect on the SEO front where 
as you continue to roll down the hill, it continues, the snowball continues to get bigger and bigger. And then once you're in a position where the SEO is working, then reevaluate what you're doing on search. And there's a lot of strategies that you can use in conjunction. For example, if there's a, a specific keyword that's really important to you that you rank, you know, number one for, well, you might not want to run ads on that. But if there's another term that you don't rank well for, you might want to run ads on that so that you can uh, still gain uh, customers and clients from people who are searching for that. And there are various automations that you can do that can make it a little bit easier. Um, and you can also then evaluate, you know, what percentage of people would have only clicked on ads and only bought because those would have been those that percentage of people that never would have clicked on organic regardless of where you ranked. So I do think that there are a number of strategies that can be used um, both when you're uh, maybe not ready to invest in SEO SEO yet, but also when you're a dominant player in search that there are still viable strategies on the ad side of things. Yeah, and when you uh, think of it, uh, as you mentioned before, for instance, the CRM company, I suppose uh, they've been building up content now with, uh, with the right articles, right content that people are actually interested in. And yeah, they have to differentiate themselves because in so many countries, there are so many startups that have uh, got their own CRM system on offer on the market. And some they're all somehow a bit different, of course, not only just layout, color, logo, and so on. But uh, in the end, of course, in the mind of the buyer, it's usually, I need a CRM system. Um, but they have to, of course, somehow found get them to actually find the right boot that fits them so that their foot fits in and it's not the wrong way around. And yeah, that's an interesting thing to see as well. How can you get people as well once they found you to actually then actually convert either by, let's say, giving the company a call, sending a message, chatting online, or actually buying the product and the services? Yeah, so this is... Um this is a matter of the conversion rate optimization to the funnel that you're using. If you're using a funnel that, you know, kind of an overblown um, term right now, but when somebody's on the, the, you go from one marketing channel to another, once somebody clicks, if let's say you're doing Google ads, uh, then once that person clicks, that is it. If you're doing SEO, once that person clicks, that is it. Now, of course, there are tactics to get them to click again through remarketing ads. That's a whole other thing. But in terms of that channel, the, that channel, all that does is it gets you clicks. Once somebody is on your website, they now need to be converted. There's a lot of things that go into that. It's the design of your website. It's the quality of the content that you have on your website. It is the UX of that website. So how easy is it to find what you're looking for on the website? You know, if someone's looking for the contact page, they have to go through a mega menu that has 80 different options in it with the contact page being somewhere in the middle. If so, it's going to be pretty hard for someone to contact you. So uh, with that, it goes into um, zero testing. Uh, this is much easier to do if you're on the e-commerce or SaaS side of things. When somebody can make a purchase on the website, it's much easier to track. If you're on the uh, lead generation side of things, then you're usually using something like CallRail or some other call tracking platform to track um, phone calls. And if you're getting enough traffic, then you're able to uh, run different tests. But uh, it fundamentally comes down to do you offer what the consumer is looking for? Let me give you uh, an, an idea. So if somebody is looking for a law firm, they're looking for a family lawyer because they are going through a divorce, let's say, well, you, 
what questions do they have? What concerns do they have? What are they looking for? Does your page that they end up on answer all of that? So, okay, great. You know, you made it very clear that you are a divorce lawyer. Great. You can check one box there. Did you make it very clear where your phone number is if they want to call you right now? Did you make it very clear where your contact form is if they can't call you right now or if they just don't want to? What questions does that person have? Are you answering it on that page? So for example, if somebody wants to know the process, it's very important that you have that process on that page because even if you rank number one on Google, you're the number one ad or whatever it may be, don't think that you're the only website that they're visiting. They more than likely they're clicking on one, two, and three. Some people won't, but a lot of people do because it's you're not a very informed consumer if all you're doing is clicking and buying on the first website that you visit. That's just not how most people operate. So look at who else is showing up. What are the top three businesses that show up when you search? Okay, great. How can you differentiate? What does everybody else say that you don't say? What do they not say that you should say? And make it very clear what you do how you do it. And you can see a massive increase in conversion rate compared to if your content is just, Hey, I hired someone, I paid them 20 bucks. And I said, you know, put words on a page that vaguely talk about uh, divorce using all this other information, where if you make it very clear what you do, why you do it, how you do it, that person's going to be much more informed to then actually make a decision. Is this the right business for me uh, to work with? For example, client that we're working with is a private practice. They offer therapy services. And um, it was very clear when talking to them that they have a, not a, propri- not a proprietary process, but they have a process, the process that they have developed with other professionals that very few other professionals in their field have. And so it was very important to outline how they, uh, how they work through their process, how they work with their clients, because nobody else did that. Everybody else just said, Hey, you know, if you're looking for a therapist, then contact us. But the only people that you will attract in that situation is people who already have their credit card out, who already have their phone out and they're just, you know, ready to call. You will not attract people who have questions because you haven't answered those questions. And let's be honest, it's a pretty big pain to contact people, especially if you're contacting multiple people just to ask them a couple questions. So make sure that any obvious question that somebody would have is actually answered. And then you're bringing them through everything that they want to know. You're able to have that person identify themselves either as this is a business that I want to work with, or this business isn't the right fit for me. Yeah. And that's the thing there. The content shouldn't be, of course, so overwhelming that the people don't get lost in the website. Um, and that's the thing. Some of the people go and say, well, we just need to have a landing page. Others need to have an informative page because, of course, it depends very much on what you're offering. Some pages, it's just a one page or totally enough with lots or a little bit of text. It always depends very much as well on the business and uh, yeah, whether you're just running ads or you're actually doing a combination with ads and uh, organic reach. So what are the other opportunities that you think that uh, people can do now to increase the opportunities to get leads? Yeah. So one of the big things that I talk about, if you look at any other content that I produce or even how I uh, will talk to clients, which is that you need to first look at the end goal. What is the actual end goal? You don't actually care about 
the traffic that you're getting. You don't actually care about the number of people signing up to your email list. You don't actually care about the conversion rate of the website. And if you're doing lead gen, you don't actually care about how many leads you're getting. The only thing you really actually care about most of the time is how does that all translate into customers, clients, money, revenue, etc. And so that's where the uh, conversation needs to start which uh, a mistake I see a lot of people making is going, well, we want to double our, uh, we want to double the revenue that we're making from organic traffic. So let's double our traffic. Maybe that's a good decision. Maybe not. This is a a very real world case example in terms of uh, lead generation where we worked with a, a client. They wanted to double the amount of clients that they were getting on a monthly basis. We ended up two and a half Xing traffic. This resulted in about a doubling of the uh, call volume as well. And the amount of clients that they were getting didn't increase even close to that. Now, the issue was that their internal team, the team that was handling the phone calls, primarily got referrals. This business was a a well-established business, very well-known within their area. And so a lot of the people coming to them were referrals. They had referrals from other businesses. They had referrals from other customers. And so by the time that their sales team or their intake team got on the phone with these people, they were already sold. They didn't have to really do anything to actually uh, convince these people to work with them. So what happened is after doubling the traffic, a lot of the phone calls that they were now getting is now coming from people who have questions, who aren't 100% sure that this is the company that they want to work with, are more likely to be talking to two to three different companies at, at a time or to reach out to of, to more or have already reached out to more. And so what happened was the, uh, the team wasn't uh, ready to uh, handle those types of calls. And so what had to happen was, because uh, we were using a call tracking system and just basically the advice that I gave to this client in this instance was, you need to sit down and create your intake processes. You need to have scripts. You need to make sure that regardless of the three or four different people that answer the phone, whoever's answering the phone, that it's consistent and that, you know, so that, you know, Sarah doesn't have a much higher close rate than Bob because Sarah's better on the phone than Bob is. You need to have much more consistency. You need to be recording your calls and sitting down at least once a month. And once things get sorted and you're happy with your average intake rate, then maybe move this to once a quarter and figure out, okay, what are we good at answering? What are we not good at answering? How can we improve this? Maybe you need to bring in a consultant to train your intake team as to how to handle the phones better. Because what's going to happen is if you do want that end goal of doubling the amount of intake you got, and let's just say in this case, it was about off the top of my head, 20 to 30% is what we actually got increased from doubling traffic. Well, then in order to get to that initial doubling, you'd have to probably two and a half to three X traffic again, which is only going to be more difficult and challenging, but you might not have the, uh, the additional, uh, work from in revenue from the additional clients to have enough of a budget to actually justify putting enough resources into actually doubling or tripling that traffic. And so to sum this up, the the uh, the thesis I'm coming to is that when you look at the end goal, which is, okay, we want to double revenue, we want to double the amount of customers that we're getting, look at everything that has to happen up until that point. You need traffic, you need conversions on the website, you need your intake team to fill that out. You have to retain that client for whatever period of time that you typically retain them from. You have your gross margins and you have your net margins, and then that's what you actually make. So everything up until that point will affect your end goal. If you're, uh, you know, 
barely profitable, then it's going to be much more difficult to double your profit compared to if uh, maybe you just have like a bad account. And that's kind of stretching a little bit. Uh, but my point is that uh, don't just pay attention to traffic conversions because there's a lot of other things that happen until you actually have money in the bank. Yeah, and that's true because uh, when you think of it, as you said, uh, referrals, of course, usually people have certain information and uh, with others, um, they don't know. They maybe have read the website and they think, okay, uh, instead of wasting time reading all this, I just ask somebody to get exactly the answer for what I want to know because maybe I have five questions on my mind. I think, ah, I just call them now and just get rid of my problem. And maybe it is the right fit. And if not, I save time because I'm not wasting half an hour searching on the website to find out if it's the right thing. Because people, of course, the more technical the stuff is, the more maybe the user or the buyer is uh, says, this is way beyond <laughs> my level of uh, knowledge or so. I just want this thing fixed or I just need this and this gadget and I don't know if it fits for my purpose. Let's say somebody wants to buy uh, some equipment for the boat or so. It, it has to, of course, fit or for a plane or somebody wants to fix their drives and other kind of things. They don't know whether it's the right thing, whether they're actually go looking at the wrong item, wrong service and that. Uh, it's a good, good thing. Um, yeah, regarding... Uh, all these things that we've we've heard now uh jared it's been great informative piece of knowledge that you've been providing to us i'm sure maybe that the listeners might eventually want to know more or maybe even get in contact with you how can they do that Yeah, of course. So if anyone's interested in learning a bit more or taking things to another step, you can go to cometfuel.com. And if you want to learn more about me specifically, Comet Fuel is the agency, but you can just Google my name, Jared Spiewak, and all my social and everything else that you'd want to find will come up. Awesome. So it was great having you here on the show. And thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Growth Zone with Christian Barge. Thank you for listening. Please leave a review or rating here on iTunes or on podchaser.com. If you found the content helpful, then share it on social media. I would like to invite you to follow our show so that you don't miss the upcoming interviews with leaders in the market. Simply visit the website follow.prmediareach.com. I will be adding the link also to the description of this episode so that you just need to click on that link. For those of you who are listening and signing up to follow the show, I have reserved a free copy of the ultimate guide on content marketing. This is the strategy that got me top corporate clients like McDonald's, Linde, Hewlett-Packard, Deutsche Bank, Volvo and many others. That strategy has been working for over 10 years. It also got me contracts with police, transport authorities, military and several universities and even leading research institutes. For sure, it also worked wonders as it got me many small, medium-sized entrepreneurs and enterprises as clients.
and that even included international clients from all around the world. The link to sign up for our free broadcasting service and the guide is follow.prmediareach.com That will give you access to the most recent version of my ultimate guide on content marketing. You can follow me as well on Twitter by using the Twitter handle CAPBarge. That's spelled Charlie Alpha Papa Bravo Alpha Romeo Tango Sierra Charlie Hotel. Yes, that is CAPBarge. Charlie Alpha Papa Bravo Alpha Romeo Tango Sierra Charlie Hotel. 